Welcome to the Spiritually Inspired Podcast. I'm Sarah Ray, writer and intuitive, bringing you weekly astrology forecasts, tarot card readings, and magical musings so you can easily integrate your own unique style of spirituality into your daily life. You can find the episode show notes, copies of my books, free downloads, and lots more at spirituallyinspired.co. Enjoy the show. Hello, mystics. Thank you for tuning into episode 35 of the podcast. It sure is a pleasure to have you joining me again this week. I've been looking forward to this episode for months. It's all about Samhain, the witch's new year, also known as Halloween. This is a continuation of our Wheel of the Year series, and this particular Sabbath is Celtic in nature, and it's inherently magical and recognized all over the world and has been for many, many centuries as one of the most important times of the year for a lot of reasons. And we're going to talk about this in this episode this week, and it's going to be a good one. Coming up in this week's astrology forecast is, of course, Samhain right away on Sunday on the 31st, which is very exciting. And again, that's the entire podcast episode, so I'm not going to go too deep into that in the astrology section, but we'll talk about that later. We're also having the new moon in Scorpio and Mercury moving into Scorpio this week. Also, the sun is moving into Scorpio tomorrow if you're listening to this on the day it comes out on the 29th, which we talked about in last week's astrology forecast. So there's just a lot of Scorpio energy going on right now. So we're going to talk about that in this week's astrology. Also, this past week's installment of the Awakening Story series was with the lovely Natalie Wallstein of the Cosmic Calling podcast. She was absolutely delightful and a joy to talk to, so do go back and listen if you haven't yet already. You can find that on YouTube if you want to see her beautiful face, or you can listen on your favorite podcast app. I have so many more amazing women lined up to tell their awakening stories in the coming weeks. It's been such a blessing to connect with them. My heart is so full. I've thoroughly enjoyed each one and I'm honored to be able to share their stories with you and I hope you enjoy listening to them. If you are interested in coming on to share your awakening story, please do shoot me an email at sararay at spirituallyinspired.co. That's S-A-R-A-R-A-E at spirituallyinspired.co. I would love to hear from you. I have tons of spaces open. Please don't be shy. I also shared a silly little witchy video on YouTube this week that was a lot of fun to make. It's really quick, it's only a couple minutes long, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed making it. So go back to YouTube and see what that's all about. Hint, the title, Witches Are Wonderful. <laughs> I could not resist the Halloween pun, so go back and watch that for some giggles. All right, let's head into this week's astrology. Weekly Astrology for October 31st through November 6th, 2021. Of course, this week is starting off with Samhain or Halloween on October 31st, which is a really significant day in the witch's calendar, the wheel of the year, and just in our culture in general, it's really important to a lot of people. So we got that happening on Sunday. Also, 
uh, this week we have the new moon in Scorpio and Mercury moving into Scorpio. Also, the sun is now in Scorpio by the time this is coming out. So there's just a lot of Scorpio energy going on right now. So we're going to focus on that for this video. Scorpio was known as a really mysterious sign and it loves the darkness and all the secrets that are held within the darkness. It wants to go in there and discover those secrets and reveal them and bring them into the light and explore them and really dive deep into them. But not in a expose your demons kind of way, pull your skeletons out of the closet kind of way, more of more for the sake of deep interpersonal connections. This energy is really ideal for a spooky season because Scorpio tends to really lean into the witchy occult, the taboo topics that we might associate with someone who loves things that are dark and aesthetically pleasing in that way. That is kind of the reason why Scorpio is misunderstood a little bit. So it, there tends to be a lot of taboo topics around the energy of Scorpio. But to embrace Scorpio energy is to willingly move forward into the darkness and to have a sense of security even though you have no idea where you're going, what you're going to find, what you're going to do with the whatever it is that you find in the darkness. It's not just about the, the mystery. It's also about what you're going to do with this information once you discover it. So the darkness might be scary. And it's also metaphorical, but it could be literal as well. The metaphorical darkness of our subconscious might be scary. The metaphorical darkness of somebody else's subconscious that we're intimate with might be intimidating. But the thing about Scorpio energy is that it's not intimidated by these sorts of things. It's intrigued by them. It wants to know what's in there and it, it wants to learn all the secrets. So this is a really great energy for revealing secrets or maybe growing in a more intimate way with people who are really important to you. So speaking of that, the new moon in Scorpio is on November 4th, and it's really guiding us to turn inward and discover that darkness within ourselves. It wants us to face that darkness bravely and to just head on in and deal with whatever it is that we find. This could manifest as shadow work or inner child work or maybe affirmations or just regular reflecting upon the last year, depending on your own psyche and your own experiences so far in life, that is kind of going to determine what the darkness reveals. But it, there will be something there that is meant to be coming into the light. With the sun shining on Scorpio energy, it's meant to be revealing all the things that have been hidden. So to work through these things, just consider what sort of limiting beliefs have been keeping you back over the past year or maybe many years, depending on how deeply rooted they are, and consider how they've made you afraid. Consider how these limiting beliefs are ultimately coming from a place of fear, because Scorpio has no fear. Scorpio is meant to get, get rid of the fear. They're not afraid of these sorts of things. So think about that as you're doing your shadow work or your inner child work or your reflections for the past year. Because whatever themes you come up with, these are likely going to be continuing on themes that are going to build off each other over the next four weeks while the sun is moving through Scorpio and while the moon cycle starts with Scorpio. So new moons are a time for planting seeds. And if you watched my or listen to my episode about magical moon phases and the spiritual meaning of all the moon phases, you'll know that this is considered a beginning. This is a time of fresh starts, of new beginning, of planning and planting seeds and these sorts of things. So it's a great time to start revealing what's underneath. Our subconscious thoughts are seeds that grow into plants within our minds. 
So if you have a subconscious fear of success, there is a plant that's growing in your mind, a metaphorical plant that's growing that is sabotaging all of your efforts towards success because of the seed that's rooted that's afraid of success. I hope that metaphor makes sense. But my, my point is, is that all your thoughts are creating a sort of pattern. And new moons, like I said, are a time for planting seeds. So you have the option to make the conscious choice to go into your subconscious and plant new seeds. Again, your subconscious is dark, but that is what Scorpio wants and wants to thrive in. So when you take your seeds, your new thought seeds into the Scorpio darkness and you plant them and you work them and you nourish them, you're going to come up with something much better that's not harmful and much more well-rounded and, and all that fear is gonna be gone. Scorpio really supports transformation energy. So it's time to transform yourself from the inside out. So plant those seeds and see them grow outwards in a new way. On November 5th, Mercury is moving from harmonious Libra into curious Scorpio. Deep, emotional, intimate connections are going to be really easy during this time when Mercury is moving through this sign. We're going to be feeling really tempted to reveal our deepest secrets, especially if we already have an established intimate relationship with somebody. So if you meet someone new and you really jive with them, it's going to be really easy to build a really strong bond really quickly. On the other hand, we might be favoring more cryptic messages, like talking in such a way that we're making people go, huh? And doing it on purpose because we find joy in it in a weird way. So there's kind of a, a balancing act between revealing the secrets and being secretive at the same time. Also, we're being challenged to ask really hard questions while Mercury is moving through Scorpio. Mercury is the planet of communication. So when it's kind of in the darkness, we're being forced to see what is hidden in the darkness. And that is about asking, why is this this way? Questioning things, asking, is this really the best way? Is this what I really want? Is this how it should be? And we can just kind of keep going down that rabbit hole and rabbit holes are dark. So that's a fitting metaphor. <laughs> so keep this in mind when you are going through your relationships in your day-to-day -day life. Your deep challenges and your deep questions could be pertaining to your relationships and your mindsets and your choices or your finances. But these challenging questions and these challenging situations are coming into the light so that you they can be worked on and they can no longer be the secret. Also remember that Neptune is currently in retrograde as well. And it's been in retrograde for a while and will be for a little while yet. And it's also the planet of transformation, a lot of transformative rebirth energy, very similar to Scorpio. So there might be a potential roadblock as you're traveling down your path of transformation, whether that is in your relationships, in your work or with yourself, there's probably going to be some hurdles. It's not going to be a seamless, quick metamorphosis. It's going to take some work, which is why shadow work is so good at this time where that's taking deliberate action to face your demons. I don't really like that phrase, but I don't really have another way to phrase it. So just accept that challenge because Scorpio does love a challenge and don't be afraid to peel back those layers and go into the darkness and see what there is because once you pull it out from the darkness and move it into the light, it's not so scary anymore. It's our thoughts and our perceptions of what's in the darkness that making it scary. So 
I hope that it's helpful for this week. This was your astrology forecast for October 31st through November 6th, 2021. And if you want to learn about the most important event of this week, which is Samhain, do go back and watch the episode number 35 of the Spiritually Inspired Podcast to learn more. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. And if you are, please consider making a donation to Spiritually Inspired. You can head over to buymeacoffee.com slash Sarah Ray and buy me a coffee if you'd like for just a few dollars. It helps support my work, it helps keep things free, and it helps spread love and light and good karma to all beings everywhere. And may your donation come back to you threefold. Thank you so much for considering. And now we're heading back to the show. Samhain, or otherwise known as Halloween, is the iconic witchy pagan holiday that happens on October 31st in the Northern Hemisphere. On this day, we honor the very last harvest of the season. We honor the dead, the ancestors, the fae, the shift in seasons, and the darkness. If it's not already here, winter will be here very shortly. This is a time, winter is a time of introspection and turning inward and reflection and making preparations, which was what our ancestors spent Samhain doing, preparing for the winter ahead. And in a physical way, they were preparing food and gathering different uh, materials they'll need to survive the winter, but also on an interpersonal level, they were wondering what the future had in store for them. They wanted to know where they were, their lives were going, what was going to happen. It was a big question of what if, and it was also a time to connect and commune with the divine ancestors, people on the other side and spirit. And this information, this tradition still upholds today. We're not necessarily preparing to store food so we can survive the winter, but we are preparing to be inside for the winter and that's inside our homes, also within inside ourselves. And this is still bringing up a lot of the same questions that our ancestors were dealing with, which what does the next year have in store for me? What worked about this past year? What do I want to do differently? What do I want to bring in? How can I prepare for the new things that I want? All these questions are perfect for Samhain, which is another reason why a lot of different divination things happen at Samhain as well, which is something we're going to talk about here very shortly. The most important aspect of Samhain is the fact that it's the best time of year to connect with spirit, with ancestors, and any being of light on the other side. Now, the flip side of this, which is the spooky part of Halloween and of Samhain, is that there are other entities as well that aren't necessarily of the light that are also really easy to commune with. But that shouldn't scare you. That shouldn't be a deterrent by any means. They exist out there in the world just as much as the next toxic person next door exists in our world. So just a couple of bad eggs shouldn't deter you from trying to connect with your ancestors and loved ones that you know are on the other side. And this is especially true if someone passed within this past year. They're going to be really fresh, I guess, for lack of a better word, but they're going to be a lot easier to communicate with because they're probably more eager to communicate with you. A lot of traditional and neo-pagan traditions around Samhain revolve around 
connecting with the dead and honoring the dead and the ancestors and leaving offerings for them and being there for them and holding space for them and remembering them. This is something that is so powerful for so many reasons. Not only does it help our mourning hearts, but it also helps guide us in the future and it helps their souls as well to connect with us. It's a really beautiful relationship that we can nurture easily at Samhain because the veil that is between worlds is thin meaning that there's a spiritual realm, which is heaven, the other side, whatever you want to call it. And then there's our realm here, the physical realm, earth, the earth plane, again, whatever you want to call it. And there's a, an energetic membrane that is fluctuating depending on the time of year. And the reason why this fluctuates is the change of the seasons and just the the way that the energy is moving throughout the earth at this time, depending on where you are in the world. It's, it's getting thinner, which means that it's easier for each side to perceive each other. So this is why it's a great time to communicate with other people on the other side, souls, angels, fairies, whatever, whatever have you, because it's, it's like, it's like opening a window with the screen is still there, but so you can still see through there, but you can't quite get to the other side, obviously, because you can't go over there unless you're passed on, but you're, it's so much easier for you to see what's there. Historically speaking, almost all myths regarding Samhain or other holidays that are similar to Samhain around the same time involve a god or a goddess, at least one, maybe more, who rules over the dead or enters into the underworld of the dead at some point in time. And I think this is really interesting from a historical perspective. This just is a holiday that is all about facing death, physical death, because we never really die. And we can see this in the in the season changes as well because all the plants are going dormant, they're dying. I mean, some of them are probably actually dying depending on how your season went. But for the most part, they're just kind of going in for the winter, just like how we are going in for the winter. And um, the leaves are dying, grass is dying, and we can see all this beautiful transformation. And most people think that autumn is beautiful. That therefore means that death is also beautiful. And it certainly can be depending on your perspective. And this Samhain Sabbath is a time to consider your relationship with death. And if you've been following my content for any, any length of time, you'll know that my biggest message to give to people is that life continues on and death isn't scary. There's nothing to be afraid of. And if you need more proof or more comfort in that way, use Samhain energy to ask for that comfort, to ask for that validation, because I'm sure you know at least one person on the other side or maybe a pet. And even if you don't, you could ask for an angel or maybe just an, another ancestor from several generations back. They'll be there for you and there to support you. And you'll learn how powerful this connection can be in your life. And on the flip side, it's really powerful for them too, because when we connect with them, of course, they're connecting with us too, and that's helping their soul grow as much as our soul is growing. So it's a really great time for everyone to grow and reflect, no matter what side of the veil that they're on. Okay, so let's talk about some fun ways a modern mystic like yourself can celebrate Samhain. This is a list of seven or eight different things that you can do, and I am pretty confident that you're probably already planning on doing at least a few of these. And some of them are pulled from other different traditions. Some of them are things that we've always been doing at this time of year as far as our ancestors go. So it might be inherently familiar to you, but they're just kind of fun ways to welcome in 
this time of year and welcome in the new year as well. Of course, modern celebrations of Halloween include horror movies, trick-or-treating, even though that stems from an ancient tradition, dressing up in fun costumes, pulling pranks, also stems from ancient traditions, and pumpkin-flavored everything. So once you've gotten your fill of those things, we can move on to the more spiritual celebrations of Samhain. But before we dive into all that fun stuff, I do want to make one statement. And if you're planning on dressing up in a fun costume for Halloween, please be considerate of what it is that you're dressing up as. A culture is not a costume. So things like Indian headdresses, kimonos, saris, things of this nature, these are sacred dresses for these certain cultures in the world and they are not Halloween costumes. Do not dress up in a sari. Do not put on a kimono as a costume because a costume is intended to be some make-believe, something pretend. Although it might be pretend for you, it is not pretend for those important cultures, especially since these cultures are often oppressed and they're experiencing a lot of discrimination and to add insult to injuries to dress up as them for Halloween. So do not do that. More appropriate costume ideas for fun that aren't going to hurt anything are TV characters, or maybe a pun of some kind, or an animal, or something that is really innocent. You could be a, a joke, <laughs> something fun, just not something that is actually of a culture. So there's my soapbox for this episode. I hope you heed this advice and just choose your costume respectfully. So the first fun thing you can do as a modern witch to celebrate Samhain is enjoying a final feast. Not saying you're never going to eat again. <laughs> you're just honoring the last harvest of the harvest season. Our ancestors acknowledged this time as the final harvest because they recognized that they couldn't grow anything in the, in the winter time and that this was really the last chance that they had to pull off all the crops and make sure everything that they could bring in and store for the winter was stored. So they would often have a feast at this time. It was kind of like, you know, fattening up a little bit, like you're getting ready to go into hibernation like a squirrel or something. And they were also working on making preparations to store the food for the winter so they just simply could survive. And feasting is something that we typically do to celebrate any Sabbath, mostly because Sabbaths are pointing towards embracing abundance of the universe. And nothing says abundance better than a giant feast of food and drink to share with people you care about. But the difference between other Sabbath feasts and a Samhain feast is that you set a place for the people who you want to invite that are on the other side of the veil. So if you have, you know, three people that you love that have passed on, you set three places at the table for them. And I'm talking with a water glass, with silverware, with napkins, with a plate, and all of this stuff so that they know that they're welcome. Another way to make this Sabbath feast a little bit more Samhain special is preparing the food in silence. This is an ancient Celtic practice and they also would try to prepare the food as much as they can with their hands behind the back. That's not always possible, obviously, but if you prepare your food in silence, it's believed to invite the dead into the room. Like if there's too much noise and commotion going on, they get scared away. I don't know personally how true that really is because they, I believe that they understand that they're welcome there, but preparing it in silence is really just a act of remembrance and respect of the dead. So that is a really easy way to make your Samhain witchy. 
And once all the food is made and once all of the plates are set, for, especially for the ones that aren't actually physically with us, it is sour tradition to give the first servings to the dearly departed. Now you can do this symbolically with one plate on an altar. You can do it um, with however many plates you have set around if it's only a couple, but it is tradition to give them the first servings as an offering. It's a really magical thing to do and an offering of food is always really respected and appreciated from those on the other side. So some good foods and flavors to use at Samhain are garlic, rosemary, sage, cedar, clove, cinnamon, honey, apple, fresh bread, pumpkin, nuts, seeds, potatoes, ginger, onions, squash, kale, cabbage, radishes, beets, and basically any other root vegetable or dark green herb. Think of all your favorite hearty comfort foods and that will have a place on your Samhain feast. So another fun thing you can do is create a special Samhain altar for the ancestors. Creating altars is something that we do basically at every Sabbath. Some people have altars that are up all the time. Some people only do it for the Sabbaths, whatever works for you. But a Samhain altar has pictures of your departed loved ones, your families, your friends, your pets, your great, 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 great grandmother. No one needs to be left out on your Samhain ancestor altar. If you happen to have photos of ancestors that you never met, this is a perfect time to pull them out. Or if you don't have anything like that, or you just want to kind of welcome in the ancestors in general for your past, you can have a totem that symbolizes them in some way. Maybe your family has a crest or an animal that everyone's always connected to, or maybe a specific little figurine or an actual family heirloom. These sorts of things are really great for honoring your ancestors. With the veil being so thin between worlds, your ancestors are really likely to come and visit you because they have a vested interest in you because you're their legacy and they want to support you. So make them feel welcomed as best as you can. While you're decorating your altar, you can use dark earthy colors like brown, black, red, deep green, and orange. Uh, you could also experiment with maybe slightly brighter colors like silver and yellow. Just think of all the pretty fall colors. Maybe a dark purple would be nice. We're thinking of kind of solemn, nice dark colors. Of course, you could always go in the complete opposite direction and be completely colorful if you would like whatever suits you and your beliefs and your traditions best. You could also keep it really simple with just a photo, a candle, maybe a little totem, maybe some flowers, anything that is really easy for you to do is what you should do. The possibilities for your Samhain altar are endless and it's perfect regardless of how it turns out. Okay, another way to celebrate Samhain is divination and connecting with spirit in general. I've mentioned this already. The veil is thin, it's easy to communicate, it's the perfect time to ask for guidance through your favorite form of divination. Now divination is not necessarily fortune telling, but it is a way where we can use tools to communicate with those on the other side. Scrying in particular is the famous Samhain divination method. This is when you are gazing upon a surface, uh, a soft gaze, a psychic gaze, and you're looking for shapes, you're listening for insights, you're 
hearing things come into your head as you're slowly ga or softly gazing at whatever it is that you're gazing at to, to scry at. You can use a piece of black obsidian, which is black volcanic glass. You can use another crystal ball of some kind. If you happen to have one, dark colors usually work best. Maybe if you have a black mirror, that would be really cool. Or maybe some black water would be a good option as well. Or a big fire or a candle. All of these make excellent scrying median mediums. Scrying is a very old method of divination, and with your ancestors coming to visit, they might be able to assist you in doing this. It might be their preferred method of communicating, if depending on how ancestral they are. So give it a shot. Other forms of divination include, but are certainly not limited to, tarot cards, of course, reading oracle cards as well, uh, using a pendulum, casting ruins, automatic writing, bibliomancy, which is when you uh, intuitively select a book off a shelf of many books and you open to a page and you read guidance that way. Uh, reading your coffee grounds after you consume a cup of coffee or the same with tea leaves. Uh, Ceromancy, which is uh, using fire and ashes to determine the future or a message. And there are so many more, so many more. I can never possibly list anything, so all of them out. So kind of experiment, see what works out for you. And if you have the skills, Samhain is the perfect time for a seance. Now, please don't tackle this lightly. This is not something you should do unexperienced. Performing a, a seance can go really wrong really fast, especially on Samhain when there are other entities that are right up against the thin veil, not always welcome. Ideally, you would only be performing a seance with someone who has performed one before, a gifted psychic medium that has high skills and can be protective, and you are going to be doing with it with the highest intentions. And I'm not going to get into seance performing right now, maybe in a future podcast episode, but just know that if you have the experience and the know-how and the security, tonight is the perfect night to do it. Another really easy way to celebrate Samhain as a modern mystic is guiding candles. Old Samhain traditions tell of spirits coming to our world and needing to be guided in order to move about our world once they pass through the veil. Candles were used to help light and guide their ways, especially in windowsills or maybe in door frames and along paths. Putting candles on windowsills is still a really common practice, but please use common sense. I wish I didn't have to say that, but please use common sense. Don't leave a candle unattended ever. Don't leave a fire unattended. Don't put a lit candle next to a curtain or on a really thin ledge. Just be really safe about it. If you would prefer to use an LED candle or an electric candle, this works just as well. It's more about your intention. If you place down that electric candle and think to yourself, may this candle guide the good spirits that are coming to visit me, it will work just fine. Windows and doors are believed to be gateways into the other side. So a candle or a light candle placed within these guidelines are used to help guide those to the other side into our homes and into our lives and as they travel back as well they can use these lights. So speaking of fires and flames, another really easy way to celebrate Samhain is to have a bonfire or a hearth fire. This is usually considered to be the first fire of the winter. I mean I guess in ancient times it was the first fire and it was also considered bad luck to let your Samhain fire go out on Samhain. So 
that could be something you keep alive if you want, if you wanted to stay up all night communing with spirits, that might be kind of fun. The fire itself signifies the daylight being overtaken by the night light, which is why it was considered bad luck to let your uh, Samhain fire go out in the middle of the night on Samhain. So take that with a grain of salt. I don't, I don't believe in luck personally, but it is an old tradition that we have in our DNA from our ancestors. You can light your guiding candles for your spirits using your Samhain hearth fire. This is a really nice way to kind of spread the magic around. If you want, you could uh, collect the ashes the following day and save them and you can use them in other magical ways. If you do spells and rituals, you can use that. I have a jar of ashes from, or many jars of ashes, I should say, from various fires that happened on various nights. And I just think that's really a cool thing to collect and it's really easy and they, they look pretty too. You could also practice scrying on your Samhain fire as we already talked about that form of divination. You could also use your Samhain fire to make some tasty treats or maybe a hot beverage. And if you do that, be sure to make extras as offerings for your spirit friends. I would be remiss if I didn't mention pumpkin carving as a fun and easy way to celebrate Samhain. This is such an old tradition and I'm confident you've done it before. And I'm also confident you probably know the reason why pumpkin carving and jack-o'-lanterns exist in the first place. They were believed to ward off the unwanted, unwelcome spirits because they would be afraid to go near them because they were scary. Whether or not that's true I think is kind of irrelevant, but you can get really creative now with your pumpkins. They can really be as spooky or as adorable as you want them to be, so maybe get a little creative. So why not do a couple of spooky ones, a couple of cute ones. You can carve a pumpkin and maybe you can paint another one and cover it with glitter. Do something fun with your pumpkins that you haven't done before. And if you leave them outside, this is uh, kind of continuing on a old tradition in a modern way. And of course, when you carve your pumpkins, you can use the innards and the pumpkin seeds for food. You can toast them up. This is another great offering to have, but don't just take your raw pumpkin innards and just like throw them on the ground and be like, there you go. No, cook them up a little bit, make them look nice, put them on a nice plate, and then use them as an offering. Because this is considered to be the end of one year and the start of another year, a really great thing to do at Samhain is to reflect. And this can show up in many different ways. Um, I mentioned in our astrology forecast this week that during Scorpio season, which it is right now with Samhain, we're being guided to maybe do some shadow work, some inner child work, some pulling back layers of things that we've repressed over our lives. This is a really great time to look at these things and, and see if we can grow from them and what we would wanna do differently and what we will do differently in the future. So consider how you want to reinvent yourself in the next upcoming year. What goals you want to achieve, how you want to improve, what you want to let go, all these things. And you can reflect on this either simply by just thinking about it, you can journal about it, or you can use your divination tool of choice to ask for guidance about these sorts of things from your spirit guides or from your angels that are visiting or your family members or your ancestors. So I've mentioned these a few times in passing, but giving offerings to those on the other side of the veil is such an easy thing to do at Samhain that makes all the difference. Not saying that not giving out an offering is gonna cause spirits to be malevolent towards you. However, 
leaving out something for a spirit, whether that's food, drink, or a little trinket of some kind, really makes their day. It's the appreciation. It's the thought that counts for them. And obviously they're not going to eat it or drink it. Um, a fairy might take a trinket. So just don't give them something you don't want to lose. But these sorts of things just really help build that bond between you and them. And it shows them that you're serious about connecting with them. You're not just pulling on their leg. You're not just being fickle about it. You're showing them with a physical gesture like, hey, I want you to feel welcome in my home on the Samhain and I want you to know that I am here for you and I hope you're there for me too. So some sort of libations and offerings could include things like milk, honey, beer, or whiskey. Um, other options include baked baked goods like cakes and breads and cupcakes and these sorts of things, unwrapped candy or even fruit. You could do vegetables if you'd like, but typically we want to go with sweet things for offerings. I guess whiskey isn't sweet, but alcohol is a little different. And just keep in mind that a little goes a long way. You don't need to leave out your whole bottle of whiskey. You don't need to leave out a whole cake, although you certainly could, but just know that whatever it is that you leave out, that is the offering. So don't, you know, leave out a cake and say, this is your offering and then eat it later. That's not really, that's kind of, it's like, I don't really know how to phrase it, but it's like, oh, I'm giving you a gift. Now give it back to me because it's still mine. That's not actually giving a gift to anybody. So to dispose of your offerings on the next day, you can respectfully pour liquids down the drain. You could pour it outside or leave the things outside in nature. And this is assuming that whatever it is that you're offering is not toxic in any way to animals or trees or plants. So other than food you could, or trinkets, you could also offer up prayers as offerings and, and your devotions and your commitments. And all of these gestures really speak loud and clear to those on the other side. And the final way you can celebrate Samhain as a modern mystic is visiting a grave. Whether or not you know someone in a grave, you could still go and visit a headstone. If you do decide to go and visit one, you can kind of clean it up a little bit maybe place some flowers, tend to the plants, replace broken items, pull away debris, these sorts of things. They're going a long way, again, in the eyes of those in spirit. Now, of course, we know that whoever it is that we're visiting's grave isn't actually in the ground, they're in spirit, but it's the gesture that counts. And it might be a really easy place for them to come and meet you. You can light a candle, have a little bit of a picnic, leave them flowers, put up their picture. All these sorts of things are very similar to your Samhain altar at your home. If you don't happen to know anyone in a cemetery or maybe you aren't near the someone that you do know who's in a cemetery, you could consider visiting a cemetery still and maybe selecting one or two graves that are calling out to you and maybe kind of spending time with that, with that grave. But again, use common sense. When you're visiting a grave of someone you don't know, please do respect that grave more than you would with someone you do know. Respect the family's privacy. If they come and you're on their loved one's grave, it might be a little weird, but if you're just being respectful, like if you just put flowers there, maybe dust off some leaves or readjust the statue that fell over, these sorts of things, it would really make the spirit feel amazing and loved and noticed, especially if you have noticed before that nobody has ever visited that grave or maybe there's a, a headstone that has never had flowers on it before or it's so old that they don't possibly have any living relatives right now or at least not nearby. That is the type of grave that would be really nice to visit. Samhain has such a rich history. It really is beautiful to learn about. 
um, right around Samhain are several other acknowledged holidays and a lot of other cultures that share a lot of similarities to Samhain. And these are including the Day of the Dead in Mexican culture, All Souls Day, Hollow Mass, Diwali, Shadow Fest, among many, many others. I couldn't possibly list them all. And despite the great efforts of early Christians to try and erase Samhain from history, it did not die. And that pun was intentional. <laughs> Other holidays and dates were moved around during those early early days of Christianity when they were trying to make Christianity the ruling religion and trying to erase specifically the Celtic religion, which is a Samhain is Celtic. And they were moving dates around to better suit Christianity and their beliefs and also to exercise control over the people. But Samhain refused to be forgotten and it refused to be moved. Like that day is Samhain and there's nothing you can do about it. And they attempted to add different holidays around it to overshadow it. Uh, think Hollow Mass, All Souls Day, All Saints Day, these sorts of things. But Samhain traditions persisted and people just kind of went, eh, I don't want to do that. Other holidays are totally different story, but Samhain refused to be pushed aside, which I think is really an incredible thing when you think about it. And even today, there are a lot of people that are really uncomfortable with the idea of Samhain and even with the more modern counterpart of Halloween. They don't want anything to do with it. For whatever reason, everyone is entitled to their own religious beliefs, but I do think it's interesting and important to note the impact that Christ early Christianity had on the long-standing tradition of honoring the dead and the darkness at this time. And that impact is virtually non-existent. The cultural significance of honoring the dead and our ancestors has permeated all levels of society for thousands of years, thousands of years. It's an ancient, ancient tradition of civilizations and that is ultimately what marks and defines a civilization is when they are consciously taking care of the dead and an evidence of belief in an afterlife really signifies our level of intelligence, our level of inherent connection to the other side that we know is there in our bones. Humans intuitively feel the veil between our world and the spirit world being thin at this time, which I believe contributes to the fact that Samhain has existed for as long as it has. We crave that connection to our departed loved ones. We need that. We need to know that they're there and we need to have that comfort and they too want to be comforted by us. We are still connected with them. They're still our, our ancestors and our friends and our pets and our guides. And even though they're not, we're not on the same planes anymore, we will all meet up again. So we want to maintain that relationship. And it's just a natural human craving, which is, I believe, one of the reasons why Samhain is almost universally loved by so many people, even people that don't consider themselves religious in any way. So many people love Halloween for so many reasons and it's such a fantastic time to come together and have fun and and kind of let loose and be childlike again. It's really a, a great holiday for so many people for so many reasons. There is nothing wrong or evil or scary about reaching out to your loved ones in spirit, especially on Samhain. They are coming from the light. It's really beautiful and it's really comforting. And yes, I mentioned in this episode that 
darkness exists out there on the other side of the veil. But darkness exists here too, and that doesn't stop you from meeting new people or having relationships with other people. So why would that stop you from communicating with people on the other side as well? Just something to think about. If you want to learn more about Samhain, its history, its correspondences, fun ritual ideas and recipes, and so much more than I could ever cover in one podcast episode, I highly recommend this book called Samhain Rituals, Recipes, and Lore for Halloween by Diana Rachel, Rachel, by Luluin, Luwillen. I don't think I'm saying that right, but it's a book publishing company that publishes a lot of high vibe content. And this is part of an eight volume series where it's covering all of the Sabbaths. And this one, I particularly enjoyed the history aspect of it in the beginning was really interesting to me. And I definitely recommend you picking up a copy. Thank you for listening and blessed Samhain. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed and if you did, you might also enjoy previous episodes, all of which are available on your favorite podcast app and YouTube. Find the show notes, copies of my books, free downloads, and lots more at spirituallyinspired.co. Namaste.